for our sponsor this episode, we have ZoomInfo. ZoomInfo is an awesome business and product story that is totally in the acquired vein. Totally. This is an amazing under-the-radar entrepreneurial story. Henry Shuck, the CEO of ZoomInfo, actually founded a predecessor company back in 2007 called DiscoverOrg from his law school apartment. They were dedicated to helping sales professionals find the right contacts at the right accounts so they could stop digging for prospects and focus on closing deals. And then in 2019, DiscoverOrg actually acquired ZoomInfo, another big player in the business data space. Yes, they kept the ZoomInfo name, and the combined company has grown way beyond just being a contact data solution. They've actually created this full-stack B2B revenue growth platform on top of it. It is super cool. ZoomInfo actually went public in 2020. They were the first real tech IPO after COVID hit, and they have continued to expand their product suite, and they've just done phenomenally well. It starts with the best business data in the world, whether that's company, contact, or intent data, and this data fuels ZoomInfo's actionable insights, engagement platform, automated workflow capabilities, and so much more. It is the single best way for B2B professionals to find their next customer or close their next deal, streamline their operations, and build the best team possible. And best of all, it is all in one place so your revenue teams can collaborate seamlessly and close deals faster. So if you're in B2B and you're wondering, how can we drive more revenue and who's not? How can we find, acquire, and grow accounts that are looking for our solution right now? How do we make our sales and marketing teams as productive as possible? How do we automate our go-to-market motions to both supercharge our growth and save money? ZoomInfo is simply amazing. They now handle the full revenue pipeline from marketing to sales, even ops, all based on the number one ranked business data. Yes, customers include enterprises like Snowflake, Workday, PayPal, Dropbox, Unilever, and thousands of startup and growth companies, 30,000 customers, and counting. And here's something really cool. ZoomInfo is making their go-to-market playbook available for anyone to try for free. You want to find out how you can use intent data to target key prospects or how to revive a stalled deal by expanding your buying committee outreach. Head on over to acquire.fm slash zoominfo to see the zoominfo plays and just tell them that Ben and David at Acquired sent you. Yes, definitely. And our huge thank you to zoominfo. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? Welcome to episode six of Acquired, the podcast where we talk about technology acquisitions that actually went well. I'm Ben Gilbert. I'm David Rosenthal. And we are your hosts. Um, just a quick uh, administrative thing. If you like the show, we would love for you to rate us on iTunes. Um, been doing a lot of research on podcasts recently and kind of how, how the iTunes search algorithm works. And if you like it and you think other people would like it too, would love, love, love for you to leave a review. And likewise, as always, if you have feedback, hit us up on Twitter at acquired.fm or leave a comment on the website. Yes. So this week we are, uh, I'd say we're timely. We're probably a month late. We, uh, we were talking about the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm and all of Lucasfilm's franchises. Ben, I am your father. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't in the script. Cut. <laughs> all right. Um, David, over to you first for acquisition history and facts. Oh, man. Lucasfilm. 
Star Wars. What more can you say? So, um, George Lucas, obviously, founded Lucasfilm, uh, 1971 in San Rafael, California, which uh, has personal significance for me and my family. That's where my wife is from, where my in-laws live. Um, and David, where did you watch Star Wars? And I was going to say, <laughs> episode seven, um, we went uh, we went over the holiday break to the theater in Corte Madera that uh, George Lucas himself uh, helped renovate uh, for the, I believe, for the prequels when they came out. It's a one-screen theater uh, in Marin, and uh, it was amazing. There's a great Vanity Fair article about this theater um, and uh, and the work that Lucas has done on it. Um, super fun. So, nineteen early seventies, uh, Lucas uh, Lucas founds Lucasfilm, uh, and the first project that the company does is American Graffiti, uh, which comes out in nineteen seventy three. And then the next, uh, the next film that the company produces, 1977, is A New Hope. Well, well it was I guess Star it was Wars. called Star Wars at the time. <laughs> we know it as A New Hope. Uh, on this podcast, it's just called Star Wars, David. <sighs> All right, Ben. <laughs> um, and uh, and and then since then, over the years, I mean, pretty incredible what this company has uh, has produced both itself and what's come out of it. I mean, we've already this is our second episode about a Lucasfilm company. Uh a Disney acquisition? Yeah, Disney acquisition of a Lucasfilm company. <laughs> I was going to try and catch you there on uh well, David, I think you mean cuz Pixar was also acquired yeah. by Disney but was also spun out of Lucasfilm. Yeah, well, essentially, I mean, you could argue started at Lucasfilm. Um the, the, the company and the product itself, I believe, was started at Lucasfilm. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I guess uh, they just took two shots at acquiring Lucasfilm. Yeah, piece exactly. Piece. <laughs> um, do you know what else came out of Lucasfilm mm. that is that is no longer part of the company? Industrial Light and Magic? That is yeah, yes, but that's part of the company. This came out of Industrial Light and Magic specifically. Mm, I have no idea. Photoshop. What, Adobe? Not Adobe, Photoshop. What, did Adobe acquire Photoshop? Adobe acquired Lucasfilm? Photoshop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's another episode coming. Yeah, too. I believe John. I believe John Knowles uh, was uh, an employee of ILM, and uh, one uh, summer, uh, I believe, as part of a movie project. Um, I didn't didn't read the full history online. Uh, needed this piece of software, so he wrote it, and then. Sold it to Adobe. Crazy. Yeah. Pretty incredible company. I think we know what's coming next for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Among uh, so those great uh, organizations aside, other things that, that Lucasfilm uh, contains, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, ILM, obviously, uh, Skywalker Sound, uh, which is uh, film and TV sound production, Um quite large video game uh publishing and and development arm uh which now post acquisition has been mostly outsourced to EA by Disney um animation arm licensing um and uh and then the other company to come out of Lucasfilm was THX the sound uh consumer sound company named for George Lucas's first film in film school THX 1138 did not know that <laughs> so acquisition um in 2011, this is a great story, uh, Star Tours, which uh, I've done many, many times, most recently 
just a few weeks ago in December, um, uh, was being revamped at Disney World in uh, in Florida. And George Lucas flies out to come go to the premiere of the new version, the new revamped Star Tours ride. And uh, while he's there, he's talking with Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, and mentions to him that uh, he's thinking about retiring and maybe selling Lucasfilm. And um, and that was uh, that was summer, uh, I believe, of 2011. And uh, and then about a year later, a little over a year later, October 2012, Disney announces the acquisition, $4.1 billion. Ooh, pretty penny. And Lucas gives quotes in an interview saying he never dreamed of selling it to anyone else. Would have been pretty hard for him to sell it to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think the we'll get a little bit into Bob Iger, but I mean, the, there's fascinating history there. There's a 20-year-old relationship where... Um, Bob Iger was working at ABC and actually greenlit the uh, the television show Young Indiana Jones for George Lucas, which did not go so well. But he he uh, kind of stuck with him through at least the first season. And uh, uh, there's always goodwill between uh, between Lucas and, and the trust that he and he and Iger had that that uh, eventually kind of led them here. Yeah. Um, interestingly, though, and I didn't realize this till we started researching this episode. Um, Disney uh, obviously spends one point four point one billion dollars to acquire Lucasfilm, um, and acquires a lot within that. All the properties we just mentioned, ILM and Skywalker Sound and whatnot, that hadn't been spun out. Um, but the distribution rights to the original Star Wars movies uh, were held by Fox and uh, still are. Uh, oh wow! So Disney was really making a big bet on the future with this acquisition. Yeah, because it's easy to to justify buying that existing cash cow. You know, that there's there's pretty much no chance that uh, that yeah, those movies are ra- going to stop. Raise so your well. hand if, in anticipation of the Force Awakens, you purchased per- digital purchased <laughs> uh, the uh, the Star well, Wars collection. It was the my yeah, hands in the air. Both of us. The, well, I I went to watch it on iTunes, and the only way that I could do it was like some massive three pack collector's edition, really expensive digital download. I mean they. So, I sprung for the six pack on Amazon. Oh, nice! So, so that when I bought that f- through Apple on the Apple TV, is that through Fox? Mo- that money's going to Fox. Watching we watch four, five, and six again. Actually, that this isn't fully true. I had I watched the despecialized editions, but also per- I'm not going to get into that. That's a problem. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. So Fox was actually capitalized. Yeah, on so the Fox hype of that opportunity. I, I got to imagine Fox made a significant amount of money. In the lead up to the huh. Force Awakens, huh. uh, that doesn't include. Uh, that do you know if that includes merch from those original characters? Like if you're selling, if they're selling a episode four Han Solo toy. Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I think this is on the Wikipedia article about the acquisition, but um, David's giving me homework. Yeah, giving us all homework. <laughs> I believe I read in there that um, that at least for episode. four, I think there's a special deal for episode four that Fox might be even getting those ancillary rights as well. Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, you want to keep going with the... Uh... Let's keep going. So, Ben, what's your category? Hmm. So... As a reminder, we've got people, technology, product, business line, and the all-powerful other this to me is a product acquisition in the near term 
but it's a lot more in the, the kind of far-reaching future. I mean, the way that Disney learned from Pixar and was able to produce in Disney Creative Studios, not in Pixar Frozen, and put that at the center of the company and, and have that insane cats like 1.4 billion or something 1.3 so somewhere in there insane cash cow and frozen you know disney learned from that acquisition without messing with pixar too much and that is a bob Iger thing i mean i think that yeah. when bob Iger took over from michael eisner as ceo he's largely returning to the company's roots and that there's this incredible diagram that shows disney's business model and their the the ecosystem thinking and how everything goes and everything we else. should link to this yeah, online should. and we, in twitter we will. We'll it's put it in the show notes awesome yeah and on twitter it's 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 amazing like any any anybody who's ever been pitched a company and wondered ooh what's the lock in what are the network effects you know how how does this company build a moat around itself yeah. disney has this unbelievable ecosystem where everything flows into each other and the the center of the whole thing as as illustrated in this diagram is phenomenal content in feature length films and that's something that's escaped them for a, a long time. I mean, if you look at yep. if you look at Disney's revenues right now, one half are from cable subsidiaries, from affiliate money that they get when you know. You're, Which you're, probably ninety percent is ESPN. Yeah, fifty percent, like a little over fifty percent. Wow. Yeah, but you know, ESPN is is a quarter of Disney's revenue, and if you look every year, it's cord cutting, money's going away. Like that future was not sustainable, and it was drifting far from Disney's original roots. So putting incredible content and feature length films back at the center of the business model is a total change of direction for Disney, and and something that. Um, Bob Iger really kind of came in and shook everything up and, and, uh, and did. And he gave a lot of autonomy to all the individual groups. So, uh, you know, the way that Pixar was left alone, the way that Lucasfilm was left to do its thing, the, the incredible long-term thing, if they can pull it off, is sort of reverse acquiring the things that made that incredible content and letting them produce incredible content in-house. Because mm. right now they, they bought the Star Wars product, but they have not sustainably proven and of course this takes a lot of time that they can now take the muscle of what that made that content incredible and and make that something that is something they can produce on their own in the future yeah you're raising a couple interesting themes that i i've been noodling on about this um so one i would my my category so you said product uh you said product today and business line in the future or yeah i guess you know, I think it sticks with product, but yeah. I think it's that that sort of reverse infection thing, like the the Apple to next. Like can yep. can the 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 productiness, the productness that makes Disney and 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 uh or that makes Pixar and Lucasfilm what they are, and I guess you could throw Marvel in there yep. too. Like we might have to do a uh, complete the trilogy yeah, here at will. some point and do Marvel. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, yeah. interestingly, just almost about the same price that Disney paid for Marvel as they did for Lucasfilm. Yeah, we're gonna have to do an episode on that. So uh, at the end of the day, I think it's product uh, that they get this product, but the ultimate thing that will prove that this this uh, spree of acquisitions and this business strategy was successful is can Disney reacquire that muscle to build their own incredible content of all types henceforth? Yep, and you know, I think. Um, uh, I basically think the same thing. My my frame on it that I was going to say is is this is a product acquisition. But what the product is is the product is the juice that flows through the the Disney flywheel. Uh, and the, this diagram that Ben was talking about, Walt Disney illustrated it by hand. It's actually it's beautiful. There's 
Mickey's and Minnie's yeah, and turns Tinkerbell's. Turns out the man was a good illustrator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all throughout it, but it's this amazing, um, uh, just document of, of business strategy and, um, and, 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 and what it is is a flywheel. I've been thinking a lot about flywheels over the past few months, inspired by, um, inspired by the everything store reading the everything store and thinking about amazon and the amazon flywheel and and the the definition basically being you know how do you create this dynamic in a business where you've got different pieces of the business and if you push on one piece of the business it accelerates the whole system so like in amazon it's you know lower prices lead to more consumers which lead to more suppliers in the marketplace which uh um and leads to more leverage over those suppliers, uh, which enables you to charge lower prices, which gets you more consumers, which gets you more suppliers and more leverage and on and on and on and on. For Disney, um, you know, the, the actual diagram is quite complicated, but the nodes in their business are films and, uh, tent pole to use the media industry term going way back to my days as a media investment banker here. Um, uh, content and, and franchises at the center, and then the parks and the rides and television and music and merchandising uh, and um, and publications, you know, comic books uh, and, and everything flowing through that system. And so to me, Star Wars is like just a great um, uh, juice is probably the wrong word, but like a, a great car to put on that track. Yeah, I like that way of thinking about it, too. All right, next section. Uh, technology themes. Uh, what would have happened otherwise? Oh yeah, which we almost skipped, but I think could be interesting here. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure David and I totally agree. Um, what would have happened otherwise? So Lucas sat on this for I don't know how long. Uh, from uh, forty years. Yeah, but from not he he started saying in '97. Um, no plans to make the sequel cr- trilogy. You know, I've made the original. Oh, set on Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, we haven't seen anything since since 1997. And he's been adamantly saying, I will never produce more Star Wars, blah, 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 blah. And he's also been saying. I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Uh, and not only that, saying that he wouldn't, but saying that uh, he wouldn't license into anyone else either. And, you know, I, I think that maybe that's just like that'll wear out over time and this thing has too much value not to go back and remilk and they would have sold it to somebody else. But I think the circumstances were unique that this is exactly the sort of thing that Disney was, was um, acquiring as part of its new strategy going forward, that there was a relationship and trust there from, from Lucasfilm, not only with um, the relationship with Iger, but also, you know, that, um, you know, they, they watched uh, uh, Lucas watched jobs, take Pixar from him, <clears throat> be extremely product focused about it and very hands-on and very um, intentional to keep that thing separate and then watch the fact that Disney was able to shelter it. And when Disney was able to keep that thing separate and nurture what made it special. And, you know, I don't, I get the sense that Lucas doesn't have that trust lightly, that this wouldn't have been sold to someone that he didn't feel would, would you know, keep it in that sort of form. So this was inevitable. Well... I don't think it would have been Disney or no one, but I'm, it's hard to imagine this falling into place with a company other than Disney. Could you imagine uh, Fox owning Star Wars? Well, the, I mean, what if? I mean, this is that's just as crazy as five years ago saying, "Can you imagine Disney owning Star Wars?" Yeah, but but I mean, like there was Disney and Lucasfilm have always had a tight relationship. I yeah. mean, there's the Star Tours ride, there's the Indiana Jones rides, you know. Um, 
Well, is it possible that um, Lucasfilm would just not have produced more films, that George Lucas would have retired, it would have made boatloads of money off the mm, merch off forever? ILM. Yeah, yeah, and like it's just not a company that produced films anymore. It was a defunct... Yeah, it's interesting, right? And that kind of gets to, um, if you think about acquisitions as a form of investing, which they should be, um, it's just one that most companies tend to be pretty bad at, um, you know, at the core of investing is about identifying, it's about identifying mispriced assets. And so if you, if you're Disney, Bob Iger and Disney's famed, technology and and strategy group and m a group um and you're looking at lucasfilm and the worth of lucasfilm sitting there as an independent entity was x call it 4.1 billion but was that mispriced relative to the opportunity uh that lucasfilm had i think you know if if the force awakens is any indication uh uh and uh and um you know, he, I, I think that the not so secret secret in uh, that I am just like beyond excited about is, you know, we're not going to have to wait too long to see Star Wars land and <laughs> and uh, all the spinoff movies that they've already announced and everything coming down the pipe. I don't know. I mean, oh, this is the part where I'm going to say there's a spoiler alert. Somebody, here's a couple seconds if you'd like to turn the podcast off. If Disney didn't acquire Lucasfilm and no one did and it laid dormant. Then we would have Han Solo forever, and Han Solo wouldn't be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. Well, you know the um, I, I saw in doing research for this, uh, I, I think the second Star Wars spinoff movie that Disney's going to make is a a Han Solo chronicle. Yeah, the first being Rogue One, and the second being the first of the uh, chronicles following Han Solo. Man, so that's that's kind of amazing. I mean, we, we we've got five films queued up before 2020. I mean, let's let's review the finances so far from The Force Awakens. So, already, it's made one point seven eight billion on. That's incredible. Yeah, recording this on January fourteenth. Um, that's including domestic and international, not including any less than one month. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> box office receipts on a two hundred million dollar budget. Now, if you look at the prequels as a whole remember that's amazing well yeah it's the most incredible film you know as a business ever created on on every metric literally every metric so you know 4.1 billion that's that's the number not to mention at some point as as i alluded to earlier uh jenny and my wife and i went to disney world over new year's which was amazing and the number of lightsaber kylo ren lightsabers with uh with cross guards and having a crossbow it's a cross guard is so stupid you're just gonna cut yourself it doesn't bode well when they're hot lasers what well, it, it comes uh it, it's useful in the one of the battle scenes uh i think it does more harm it's like we can well, we could have a whole different podcast about this that could be our next podcast <laughs> all right so vote in the comments if you want to hear it <laughs> So we're trying to get to 4.1 billion, right? We're already 1.78 of the way there, minus the 200 they spent on it. I mean, it, it, it's not quite like that, but if you want to pencil it out, if if you compare that to all of the the, the prequels, the first one, uh, which it's it's hard even speaking of these when really they don't exist, but the the um, uh, first prequel made a billion dollars, the second 848 million, the second 649 billion. So total. 
the prequel trilogy made 2.5 billion on on um, theater tickets, and like I, we could see that alone from the Force Awakens easily. I think like, before we get any distribution outside of theaters, and so we're already looking at that. Um, the Economist quotes that uh, they they imagine that um, five billion in Star Wars licensed products will be sold in 2016. And I don't, you know, judging by your experience at Disney World and and, um, the the Star Wars toasters and uh, like everything we're seeing everywhere, you know, Disney has the most incredible licensing team in the world. Yeah. And uh, they're taking full advantage of Star Wars. It is, it is, um, they they got an Instagram bargain on their hands. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe not quite Instagram. So all right, let's, um. Let's move. Let's move on to uh, tech themes because uh, I think this is a good um, a good segue. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, what technology theme does this illustrate for you? I was sitting here and I was thinking, you know, this is our sixth episode. We should have saved this for episode seven. That would have been appropriate, but not as timely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the companies we've done so far. For a show that's ostensibly about technology acquisitions, we've done Pixar, Instagram, Twitch, Bungie, Siri, and now Lucasfilm. You could argue that that's that's five media companies and one technology company. And and Siri being the technology company and everything else being, yes, a technology company, but also a media company. Um, And what's interesting for me, you know... this highlights a couple of things which we've mentioned uh before on this on this show um but one you know um as a uh, i don't know if i need to pay any royalties on this phrase to andreessen horowitz they probably trademarked it but like software is eating the world um two uh i actually like this phrasing of it better uh this is from an old version of the sequoia website um that they've since changed but they used to have a section on there called um Oh, something like uh, what we believe or like what we've learned over 40 years of venture capital or something like that. And, and uh, one of the phrases was technology is the best amplifier of a business. Mm, very rings true of Paul Graham's recent technology is a lever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and if you think about technology as a lever um, for it always has been for Lucasfilm, um you, oh my gosh ilm like they, they, they were doing things that were Pixar. absolutely unheard of yeah yeah um so both within within lucasfilm itself but then also you know now as as part of disney i mean there's the whole disney flywheel but like um i think one of the coolest parts about uh episode seven or coolest you know sort of things that um business things that happen around it is uh Disney didn't do a big marketing blowout budget for it. Like, who in the world didn't know that The Force Awakens was coming out this past December? What do you mean they didn't? They didn't do a big marketing budget. Like, I, there was more media for The Force Awakens than I've ever seen for a movie before. Yes. And it was free from technology, from social media. So they, there's they there's had a tremendous amount of, of earned they, media there, but they a tremendous amount of earned media, and and of course they had a they had a marketing budget for for the film, and I believe it was about a hundred million dollars, but it was on the low end for big tentpole movie releases, and actually mm-hmm. there are a few interviews with Bob Iger about this, um, or stories, just one in the Wall Street Journal, and I think one in Fortune, um, where uh, he he really pushed the company to 
be thoughtful about this and say, hey, do we need to spend a huge amount of like traditional marketing on on The Force Awakens? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I saw there's definitely some some paid media where or or leveraging of internal assets where I mean, at Sports Center the day before the movie yeah. came out, there was a 15 minute segment in the middle of Sports Center on the the athletic training behind Star Wars as a gigantic star. It was incredible, and I'm like, I that's a I need to watch very that. nice Disney owned property. But I mean, the the amount of like um, memes that started from it of like people taking pictures of weird Star Wars products and then posting them on Instagram and Twitter and like that there was that hashtag it was like only Disney or something like that and i mean that reddit was just they 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 knew where people were and they took full advantage of their ability to spread content virally yep um second theme for me uh which i've already talked about is is just the illustrating the power of the flywheel probably more so here than uh than technology being an amplifier because at, at the core Lu- lucasfilm probably less so than than pixar and 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 twitch um is 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 a technology business i mean it is um but uh but the but the power of the flywheel both within lucasfilm and within disney is incredible here yeah it's interesting i was thinking um you know a lot of times we talk about themes we talk about the technology themes and other ones the acquisition themes this almost feels like a facebook style acquisition where disney is acquiring a portfolio of you know, third party brands that they really are learning from, but not, not roping in in the wrong way. They're leveraging the Disney assets and the things that Disney does best merchandising and a lot of this media distribution, but they're not, well, actually here's the, here's the best litmus test of all. There was no Disney uh, logo, logo on, uh, at the beginning yeah. of Star Wars. I mean, yeah. we didn't have 20th Century Fox. We didn't get the fanfare and like, God did my heart sink. But I'll take it as a compromise for we didn't get the castle. And yeah. it, is, it was, it was. Uh, <laughs> of course, I couldn't stop thinking about this during the movie of how good Disney is at, at just like letting this thing be what it is, contributing its own assets where they make sense and learning from it in a very slow, hands-off way. And the, the trend there is, I mean, that, Facebook is is the shining example so far of of um, companies that know how to do really good kind of siloed acquisitions where you don't mess it up too much. And like, look at Instagram from the day it was yeah. acquired to today. You know, you, you look at WhatsApp from the day it was acquired to today. That is the theme of the modern acquisition that goes well. And I think it's a major theme of this show. Um, you know, look at the, all the episodes we've done. Uh, you know, they've all the successful deals have all been this style of acquisition pixar instagram twitch bungie to an extent as we heard ed talk about you know they had their own office uh they were knocked down the walls um you know they kept their culture and and then the the acquisition we did that hasn't gone so well is the one that didn't take this approach in siri yeah and i think to distill it down to a more catchy thing than that long version I articulated before. I think it's amplify quickly, integrate slowly. Yeah, because there's no question that Disney is integrating Pixar, Lucasfilm, oh, yeah, Marvel. You look at the rides. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just never want to see a world where Luke Skywalker faces off against oh, God, Iron no. Man, right? Like we we better not see combining of universes. I think we'll have to go back and revise this episode <laughs> yeah, if that we're happens. Moving from the CDN. Yeah. <laughs> All 
I never got Batman versus Superman. Uh, <laughs> all right. On that note, any other themes you want to add, Ben? Um, I don't think so. Great. What's your grade? I'm going to give it an A and not an A+, um, even though financially I think spectacular, but I think the thing that we will see in the future is, is Disney able to produce content like this without gigantic acquisitions from now on? Because there's only so many pieces of gigantic content houses that they can pick up. Um, there was some stat, I was looking at the, the top 25 movies from last year, and, and like... 21 or 22 of them were rebooted yeah. or at the very i guess star wars isn't a reboot but unoriginal storylines unoriginal assets and you compare that with like 1985 and it was like three of the top 25 were sequels and you know we're seeing the same thing happening um in entertainment today that's happening elsewhere and it's yep. you 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 in movies, you know, they're going to spend one to two hundred million dollars producing what's going to be for sure a big hit. And all the experimentation has moved to television. So that's the whole kind of like startup scrappy. We're going to try one little thing, small investment. If it works, we'll double down. Like, what does that look like for feature film content in the future? And when Disney runs out of Star Wars movies to make and runs out of Star Wars like franchises to buy. Mm-hmm. How do they continue, and and what does that flywheel look like after twenty twenty five? Yep, I I, uh, I was going to go down the same path. I'm going to give it an A minus for, but for for this reason, um, thinking about Lucasfilm versus Pixar, um, Lucasfilm is a depreciating asset. It was a mispriced one that Disney correctly identified, and they're going to be able to get a ton of juice out of it by feeding it through their flywheel. And that'll go on and on and on for a long time. Um, but fundamentally, there's not a, uh, it is just content. There's not a moat there, you know. Um, maybe there is an, an ILM um, in their technology to the extent that that's differentiated. Um, but the moat is Disney. Um, and what's interesting is Pixar, I think, was different. Um, you know, their, their moat was people, which is slightly arguably more ephemeral, more ephemeral than um, an organizational or a process or a technology mode. But Pixar uh, for Disney, I think, has been an appreciating asset uh, because the process that it brought, the ability to continually generate new, relevant, successful content, um, maybe they can apply that to Lucasfilm Um but I don't think Lucasfilm itself is going to be that gift that keeps on giving. What are you talking about? Indiana Jones is going to be like. Yeah, but that's just one. <laughs> more, yeah, <laughs> just one more uh, existing content franchise. Yeah, like will Lucasfilm, the division of Disney, come up with an entirely new franchise, and will they go spend a hundred million dollars to make that movie that is the new Lucasfilm franchise? Unlikely. The question is, will they be able to do it successfully within Walt Disney Studios? Yep. And here's the question, right? I mean, financially, probably Lucasfilm in the medium term is going to be a better acquisition than Pixar. Um, and uh, 
but in the long, long term, in terms of like extending Disney's competitive advantage and uh, and motor around their around you know, motor around their flywheel to mix two metaphors, um, I feel like I feel like Pixar is going to add longevity, and Lucasfilm is like a uh, it's like a like a turbo boost. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, that's all I got. Me too. On that note, happy 2016, everybody. May the force be with you. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? Well, a huge thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Zoom Info. If your company wants to supercharge its ability to find, acquire, and grow customers while also becoming more efficient, it is a no-brainer to start using Zoom Info. And now they're making their automated go-to-market playbook available for free for anyone to try. Head on over to acquired.fm slash zoominfo to see this go-to-market playbook. And when you get in touch, just tell them that Ben and David at Acquired sent you. Thanks, Zoom Info.